Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, for those of you uh, maybe came in late or I don't know, my name's Todd, I'm the lead pastor here. So glad that um, you have chosen to join with us in worship this morning. And uh, we are continuing our series uh, called Heaven Demystified. And uh, I'm glad that you're here in the room. For those of you who are joining us via our podcast, so thankful for you and glad that you are listening in this morning. Um, for those of you who um, are really tech savvy or like want to be tech savvy, maybe, I don't know, um, you can like put your notes down and you can get your tablet or your iPhone and go onto our website and get the notes there. Um, we have a new app and so you can go to the, for iTunes, I, this is for iPhone users, sorry, uh, if you're not, but uh, you can go to the app store and you can download our app and you can get the notes there. And I want to encourage you to follow along and maybe even some of you who use Uversion, uh, which I highly recommend Uversion, um, you guys can join along there. We are in week four. We're past the halfway point of a series called Heaven Demystified. And we are taking a look at six of the probably the most common myths about heaven. And the purpose of this series is to take each one of these six myths and to line it up against Scripture to determine whether that myth is proven, whether it's plausible, or whether it's busted. We've kind of taken a page out of uh, the uh, um, Mythbusters uh, page. And so uh, if, uh, if you've been here, you've heard some of these myths. We've taken a look at three so far. Just as a way of review, I want to review a few of these. The first one was heaven is a real physical place. Uh, that's something that you kind of maybe have grown up knowing, or maybe you grew up knowing the opposite of that. And we took that myth and we compared it to Scripture, particularly the last couple chapters in the Bible. And we said, yes, that is proven. Heaven is, according to God's word, a real physical place. And so we proved that myth true. In week two, uh, we had the myth, good people go to heaven. And uh, that's intuitive, it's logical, it's nice and neat. But when we compared it to Scripture, we had to say that one was busted because only people who have put their trust in Jesus Christ for heaven go to heaven. Uh, last week in week three, we took the converse of that and we said that um, the myth is bad people go to hell. We took a look at scripture and determined that that one's busted because only people who put their trust in Jesus Christ go to heaven. So there are some bad people that have put their trust in Jesus Christ who are going to heaven. And so today we come to our fourth myth, and we're going to compare it to the Bible and take a look at what the Bible says about it. Now, um, this series is all about heaven, but kind of intrinsically because of the series, the way that we're kind of approaching it with these myths that maybe you hear from society or conventional wisdom, or maybe it's intuitive or logical. Um, one thing that I hope that you're learning in this series, and it was kind of like um, the second purpose, you know, the first purpose was to teach about heaven and to talk about what the Bible says about heaven. The second purpose really that I had for the series was that we as Christ followers, and so just for a moment I want to talk to those of you who are Christ followers, that we take God's word and we use God's word as our source of truth. Because let's face it, there's a lot of philosophy, there's a lot of conventional wisdom, there's a lot of stuff that society feeds us that we kind of take the bait and we run with it and it's just not true. And so my encouragement, my challenge is whether it's heaven 
or whether it's raising your children or whether it's how, how to live or what the Bible says about wisdom, that you take God's word and you verify and confirm what you hear or maybe not confirm uh, what you hear, you verify it with God's word, which is the, the source of all truth. And so today we're taking a look at this fourth myth, and our fourth myth today is one of the, probably the most popular myths in all of society, is that we become angels when we die. So that's the myth we're taking a look at today, we become angels when we die. Death is certain, I think Benjamin Franklin is kind of uh, attributed with saying that there are two things in life that are certain, what are they? Death and taxes. Good old Ben Franklin didn't live in 2013. Taxes are not certain, are they? And so we can really say that like one of the, the only things that's certain um, other than what God's word says is death. Death is certain. It's for sure. It's something that is a common denominator among all of us at any age, coming from any different demographic or any place in the world. We all one day will die. And as certain as death is, as final as it is, as sure as it is, we just don't know that much about what happens to us when we die. I mean, what happens to our physical bodies? We can know everything about our physical bodies today, can't we? I mean, you get online and you can find out just about anything about whatever your stage of life is, whatever you're going through health-wise. You can find out so much information online. A number of years ago, um, I called my doctor about something I was going through, and I was talking. I talked to one of his nurses, and she answered a couple of my questions. And then I asked her a question that I guess stumped her, and she goes, well, I, you're going to have to go to WebMD to find that out. I'm like, I'm at my doctor. I'm talking to a nurse, and she told me to go to WebMD. Really? And she was right. It was easy to find this information about my health on WebMD. We can find out stuff that 50 or 75 years ago, um, even scientists didn't know because information is so readily available to us. But it's interesting. When it comes to knowing what happens when we die, we're uninterested. We don't want to face it. We don't want to realize it, but God's word is so crystal clear on what happens when we die. My purpose today is to help us understand what that is. And there are so many prevailing thoughts about what happens to us when we die. When we die. There's the thought that we just don't exist anymore, that no part of us exists. There's the thought that we, you know, unconsciously just kind of exist in the clouds somewhere. That's a thought. Um, there's the mindset that maybe we become something else here on earth. There are all kind of different um, perceptions or, or I guess prevailing trends or prevailing thoughts about what we become. The most common of which is that we become angels. Society tells us this from the time that we're children. Have you ever watched a cartoon? You know, like, you know, Bugs Bunny Roadrunner cartoon. I know I just dated myself big time. But if you grew up in my area, that's what you watched. And when something in the cartoon would die, it would go to the ground, right, in, in the grave, all right? And then it would kind of float up in the air, right? And what would be over its head? A halo. And what would be on its back? Wings, okay? We are fed this information. If you watch movies, if you read books, we're kind of obsessed with this idea of maybe we become angels when we die. But is it true? Is it true according to God's word? We're going to answer that myth today, and in doing so, we're going to find out what happens to us, what happens to our bodies, 
and what happens to our souls when we die. And I believe that that is really kind of the question behind the myth, is what happens to us when we die. Today, I'll talk about a sequence of events. I'll talk about what happens to our body, what happens to our soul when we die. We've made this progression. In week one, we discussed heaven and what that looks like, the future heaven, as I'm going to describe it today. In week two, we talked about the way to get to heaven. In week three, last week, that was a tough week, we talked about the way to get to hell, and that was a very difficult week. We're going to transition a little bit, because over these next three weeks, we're going to talk a little bit more about what happens to us when we get to heaven Next week, we'll talk about what we do in heaven. The week after, we're going to talk about the connection between what we do on earth and what happens in heaven as a result. If you have your notes, let's dive in this morning. Let's take a look. And the way that I've organized this this morning, the way that I'm kind of approaching it, is through four different questions that will help us either render this myth proven, plausible, or busted. And I hope you'll learn a lot along the way. And I hope the Spirit of God teaches and prompts you and challenges you along the way. Take a look at the first question in your notes this morning. When physical death occurs, what happens to our soul? When physical death occurs, what happens to our soul? And I would also say, what happens to our body? Well, point number one, at the point of death, when our physical bodies cease to exist, our souls will be separated from our bodies. At the point of death, God's word says that our bodies cease to exist. Okay, that was a profound statement, wasn't it? Okay. Our bodies cease to exist when we die, but our soul goes on living. Okay, let me prove that to you in Scripture. The Apostle Paul addresses this issue in Corinthians, his letter to the church at Corinth, and also in Philippians. Take a look at the first passage that we've got there, 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 9. He's speaking to the church there in Corinth, and he says this in verse 6. So we are always of good courage, he says. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are, what's that next word? Away from the Lord. We know that when we are at home in the body, we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Right there, right out of the gates, what's Paul saying? He's saying that there is a difference between the body and the soul. And the body is meant to live here on this earth, whatever that may look like. But the soul was meant to exist being with God. And so he acknowledges intrinsically in that statement that there is a difference. Take a look at verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to what? Please him. To please him. See, Paul is acknowledging that there's a difference between our flesh and blood and bones and, and muscle and the soul. That there's a difference there. They coexist now. They are together now. They're in unity now. But at death, they'll be separated. And the body goes in the grave and it decays and our soul goes on and our soul lives forever. I love one nugget of truth. I'm going to take a pause on the heaven series for a moment and just talk about this last verse, verse 9 there. What a profound verse this is. I want you to take a look at it again. He says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. That right there 
for those of you who are Christ followers, that's it. That's our job while we're here on this earth. It's to please Him. It's to please God. And Paul says that because he wants us to be on mission. We'll take a look at the Philippians verse and see that in a moment. But I believe that he's also saying that because if we live our lives here on earth pleasing God, if we are living our lives trying to please him, then we are going to live our lives in a way that's going to protect us from some, not all, but some of the disappointment, the discouragement, the things that happen in life that really cause us major problems. If we're living for him, then it'll keep us, not from all, but it'll keep us from some of the problems that are the consequences of those choices that we make. If you're in here today and you're going through a major life transition, maybe a new chapter's right in front of you, um, you've got a new business that you started, make that your life first. That's a great life first. If you're a student in here getting ready to go to college and you're, you're looking at a whole new chapter in life, what a great verse to take with you and put on a three-by-five card and make that your goal, your aim. Put it in your car, put it on your refrigerator. Make that your life verse. Maybe if you're a student and you're going to the next grade or involved in something different this year, what a great verse to live by if you're a Christ follower. So whether at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. has nothing to do with heaven, but that's my little soapbox. Let's keep moving. Okay, back to heaven. Look how Paul describes this to the church, kind of the same concept in Philippi. He says this in Philippians 1, verses 21 through 24. He says, for to me to live, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Okay, let's stop for a moment. He's saying to live is Christ. It's for him, right? To die is personal gain. What? How can that be true? To die is personal gain? That's counterintuitive. It's counterlogical. It's not good according to society. But if you know anything about heaven, it's true, isn't it? That to die and to be with God in heaven one day, if you've put your trust in him, is to live. And so he talks about that in terms of the soul and the body being different. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Look at verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? He's, he's kind of debating in his own soul, in his own mind, what's better? Is it better to stay here on earth? Now Paul was in prison. He was beaten. He was persecuted. I'm sure there were, there were times where he just wanted to be done my grandfather passed away back in May, and he kept saying to my mom as he um, got towards the end, I just want to be with Jesus. I just want to be with Jesus. That's what Paul's saying here. So he's, he's struggling, yet which I shall choose, yet, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. He says in verse 23, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart, to be gone from this physical body that's so limiting and that's so painful and that comes with so much sorrow and to be with Christ, for that is far better. We'll come back to that verse in a moment. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Here's what Paul is saying here, and I want you to hear me this morning on this. He's saying that we have a place, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you have a place called heaven that awaits you that is so much better than this earth. We'll get to that in a moment. But he is also saying that it is our job as Christ followers to make sure we do everything we can to stay here because we are on mission 
for God. And as 2 Corinthians, that verse 9 that we took a look at says, our aim, our mission is to please him. Are you with me this morning on that? You see, some of you, I know you may be going through depression. You may be going through anxiety. You may be going through strife in relationships. And I want you to know something. God's best for you right now is to stay on this earth and to be on mission for him. I hope that you hear the hope in that statement. It's our job, it's our role, if you're a Christ follower, to stay on mission for him. Paul even said that, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. We, we are on mission for him. Now, both of these passages, the main point of it, please don't lose it, is that there is a difference between soul and and body. Let's take a look at the second point. It kind of begs the question, where then does our soul go after physical death? Where does our soul go after physical death? Our body goes in the grave. Our soul goes somewhere else. Where does our soul go? Now, I'm about ready to dive into some things that for even those of you who have been Christ followers for a very long time, um, you're going to find this a little bit surprising. I realize um, this is something that may be new to some of you who have been Christians for a long time or Christ followers for a long time. And, and so I, I want it to be surprising. That's okay. But I, I want to bring as much clarity from Scripture as I can to this. And I think that God is purposefully um, doesn't tell us everything about the afterlife because if we knew everything about the afterlife, then where would faith come in? Where would trust come in in the first place? But the Bible does talk a little bit about where we go when we die. And I want you to hear this. When we die, if we have put our trust in Jesus Christ to be our Savior, when we die, we go to a place that I'm going to call here the present heaven. The present heaven. And I'm going to talk in terms of the present and future heaven here in a moment just for an understanding of what heaven is all about. Now, in week one, just as a way of review, in week one we talked about the fact that there are three different heavens mentioned in the Bible. Three different words that mean three different things. The first one is the first heaven, which is the sky that we see, where the rain comes from, where the birds fly. That's the first heaven. The second heaven that the Bible speaks of is outer space, the sun, moon, the stars, the galaxies that God created that are out there in outer space. And the third heaven that, God, uh, that the Bible references is the heaven where God exists, where his abode is, where his home is. And so that's the heaven that he is preparing for us when we die. So that heaven is referring to heaven, the place that God exists generally. I can tell you this year that uh, my family went on vacation. And I'll use the word vacation generally to talk about the, where we went. And I'll say we went on vacation and we went to Florida. And it's talking generally about our vacation. Now, we had two stops on that vacation. Actually, you could consider we had three stops. We went to Daytona, we went to West Palm Beach, and we went to Miami. But I use the term vacation describing all of it. That's what we get when we talk about heaven. It's describing the present heaven and the future heaven. Don't get lost on that. I want you to see how Ezekiel describes the place that our soul will go as soon as we die. Take a look at this from Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 26, 27, and 28. He says this, and this was a vision that God gave him a glimpse into the heaven that we will go to as soon as we die. He said this, and above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne. In appearance, 
like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of a throne was the likeness of a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire and there was brightness all around. Verse 28. Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of someone speaking. This was a vision that God gave this prophet Ezekiel, and it's very similar, similarly related in Isaiah to Isaiah. They're very similar. I want you to capture this, though, because this is the heaven that we are going to as soon as we die. We call it the present heaven, and that's where we're going to go. And the most important thing for you to know about the heaven that we're going to go as soon as we die is the fact that God is there. When he talks about the glory and the radiance and the fire, he's talking about God because God is so glorious. So we can know that when we die, at the moment that we die, when our body ceases to exist, our soul is going to go to the present heaven to be with God. And that's the second point. We will see God in the present heaven. We will see God in the present heaven. A few weeks ago, we talked about the future heaven, that place that we're going to be forever and ever eternally if we put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ. But here, Ezekiel's talking about the present heaven. Jesus also references this present heaven when he was talking to that criminal that was hanging next to him on the cross. When the criminal looked at Jesus and basically accepted him, basically put his faith in him, and Jesus said this in Luke 23, 43. He said to, the, to him, that criminal, truly, I say to you, Today, you will be with me in where? Paradise. Another word for heaven. And so the place that we're going to go will be a place where God and Jesus are. We will get to experience uh, everything about God, the beauty and the splendor and the glory of God, and that should give us hope. But the present heaven is temporary. It's your last point under that second question. The present heaven is a temporary place where we will wait for Christ's return to earth. And that begs the third question this morning. When will we go to the future heaven? So I'm describing from Scripture the fact that there is a present heaven that awaits us as soon as we die. If we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we go to the present heaven. But then that begs the question, when do we go to the future heaven? This place that we described in week one that has streets of gold and gates that are made of pearl and these walls of these glorious jewels when do we get to see that? When is that going to happen? Well, number three, question number three, I want to answer that. And I want to answer it in a way that we're going to have to, for a moment, suspend any discussion of end times. It's very interesting. What we're talking about today is something called eschatology. Esca meaning the end, tology, the study of, the study of the end. And heaven and hell are usually included in the study of the end. But I know there are some of you that like to find out what God's word says about the end times. And at some point in time in the future, we'll have a series on the end times. But if we did a series on heaven and the end times, we'd be here for like 50 weeks studying the end times. And some of you might even 
get to go to heaven before then. So I don't want to do that. I want to discuss what heaven is like, but I have to just for a moment mention that we have to talk about end times, but largely we've kind of suspended that discussion. But here's what happens. At the end of the age, Jesus Christ will one day return to earth, and for a thousand years he'll reign. At the end of that thousand-year reign is when we will go to the future heaven. Are you with me this morning on that? So at one time, once we die, we go to be with God in the present heaven. It's going to be absolutely glorious. It's going to be amazing. But the future heaven that he has waiting for us that John got a glimpse of at the end of Revelation is a place that will go at a point in time later in the future after the thousand-year reign of Christ. During that time, kind of in between what I talked about there, and again, we're suspending a little bit of discussion on end times, our body and our soul will be joined together. And that's, that's, that's that point under the question, question number three. It says this, when Christ returns to earth, our bodies will be resurrected in their glorified forms and joined back together with our souls in preparation to live for eternity with God in the future heaven. Now, I don't want you to miss this point because there's a ton of hope in this point. Our bodies, the way that we are now, the way that we exist now, when we go to the future heaven to live with God for eternity, at some point in time, right before then, our bodies or before then, our bodies will be joined back with our souls and our bodies will be in their glorified form. We won't have any of the uh, physical problems that we have today with our bodies. That's great, isn't it? I, we'll be in a glorified form. It says that in, in Philippians 3 here that we will look like Jesus. Take a look at this. He says this, Paul writing to the church in Philippi. He says this, but our citizenship, or, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. Take a look at verse 21. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into, his, into glorious bodies like His own, using the same power with which He will bring everything under His control. You see, all the problems that we have, all the limitations that we have that exist in our bodies will be no more when we're in heaven with God. They will be in the resurrected form. And that should bring many of you hope. If you know of someone or if you have someone in your family who has severe limitations physically, one day when they see Jesus, if they put their trust and faith in him, they will be in the resurrected form. It may very well mean that we will have very few limitations. It might mean that my um, you know, golf score of 90 plus will no longer be 90 plus. Maybe it'll be 70 plus. Maybe some of you who are marathon runners won't have to work so hard for marathons. I don't know. I'm just making some stuff up there. But our bodies will be in their glorified forms. It will be great. It'll be amazing. Some of you know the story of Johnny Erickson Tata. Um, she was born in 1949 in the Baltimore area. Well, in 1967, she misjudged the shallowness of the water in the Chesapeake Bay. She dove in headfirst, and her, she broke her back, and she was paralyzed for life from the shoulders down. Well, during her recovery, she went through everything that you could possibly imagine. She went through depression. She went through anger. She went through suicidal thoughts, doubt, religious doubt. 
And one day she began to put her faith and her trust in God and she worked hard at recovering as much as she could. She still, this day, is paralyzed from the shoulders down and she's in a wheelchair. But Johnny Erickson Todd has written over 48 books and produced six CDs and seven feature films. And as she began studying about God's word, she realized that one day when she goes to heaven, her body's going to be made perfect again. And this is what she wrote. I want you to hear this. She said, somewhere in my broken, paralyzed body is the seed of what I shall become. The paralysis makes me what I am to become all the more grand when you contrast the atrophied, useless legs against the splendorous, resurrected legs. She said, I'm convinced that if there are mirrors in heaven, and she says, and why not? She says, the image that I'll see will be unmistakably Johnny, although a much better, brighter Johnny. So much so that it's not worth comparing. I will bear the likeness of Jesus, the man from heaven. Like his, mine will be an actual, literal, physical body, perfectly suited for heaven and earth. We shall be perfectly fitted for our environment, whether it be the new heaven or the new earth. Does that sound good to you? That sounds great to me. You see, not only is the future heaven going to be this place of beauty beyond compare, but our bodies will be in their glorified form and will live with Christ for eternity. Amazing, amazing stuff. Now, if you're having trouble understanding this idea of the present heaven, the place we go when we die immediately, if we put our trust in Jesus Christ, and the future heaven, here's how I want to describe it. If I were to leave today to go to LaGuardia, to go up to New York, I would fly out of Hilton Head and probably go through Charlotte, right? Because that's where you go when you fly out of Hilton Head, through Charlotte. And I might have a layover of two hours in Charlotte, but that's my temporary present destination. My future destination is LaGuardia Airport. That's where I will go finally. It's my final destination. That's what our life after we die is like. That's what our souls will be like, is they go to a temporary place, not just a holding area. Please understand me. It's not just a holding area. It's a wonderful place where we'll see God and we'll experience so much joy and so much happiness because all pain will be gone and it'll be perfect because God will be there and God can't be in a place that's not perfect. But one day, we'll spend our eternal destination, our final destination, with God in heaven, the heaven that we talked about just a few weeks ago. But what of our myth? What of our myth? Is it proven, plausible, or busted? busted. It's busted. We don't become angels when we die. As great of a story as that is, we don't become angels when we die. Take a look at point number four. Is there any mention in the Bible that we become angels in heaven? The Bible never makes any mention about humans becoming angels. I want you to hear this this morning. It doesn't even suggest it. It doesn't even come close. Angels are separate beings that were created by God for specific purposes, one of which is to guide our souls into heaven to be with him one day. Someday we'll do a series on heaven. I want to leave you with the key thought this morning. Because even though we don't become angels, we will see God in heaven one day. And for some of you who may be seeking, for some of you who may be skeptical, for some of you who may have grown up in a religious home and you just kind of doubt all this stuff anyway, or maybe you were told that there are five different ways to God, I want you to hear this. There's one way to heaven. 
And it's through putting your trust in Jesus Christ, your key thought this morning. Our souls will never experience death. Only our physical bodies will cease. But one day, if we have trusted in Jesus, they will be joined together in the future heaven. They'll be joined together in the future heaven. You see, to believe that we might become angels one day is to believe that there might be another way to heaven. And there's only one way to heaven, and that's through putting your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And that's where I want to leave you today. If you're in here today and you've never put your trust in Jesus, oh, don't let another day go by without it, because this is your chance. One day, the time of your life will be up forever. And you won't have another chance to make that decision to trust in Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you here in a moment, if you've never done that, or if you doubt that you've done it, or if you've had doubts about your faith before and you want to today to put your trust in Jesus, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that, along with about a dozen people who have done that over these past few weeks as we've been in this series. Would you pray with me today? God, I thank you for the great hope that we can have. And for the Christ followers in here um, who may be going through some dark days, God, I pray that you would just give them the hope that they have of no more sorrow and no more pain in heaven one day. But God, right now, in the strong name of Jesus, I pray for those who are in here today who may be skeptical, who might even be fearful of what the future holds. God, I pray for those who might have been confused up to this point in time, and maybe something that was said, or maybe your Holy Spirit has led them to a point of clarification. I pray that they would accept you as their Savior today. If you're in here today, and you want to place your trust in Jesus for eternity, you want to know that you absolutely know that when you die one day, you're going to go to heaven. The biggest decision that you could ever make in life. I'm going to invite you to pray a simple prayer in your heart to God, just silently with me in the quietness of this room. It's a prayer that goes something like this. God, thank you for making me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for sending Jesus, your son, to die for my sins. Today I confess that I am a sinner and today I trust you for my eternal destination help me to live for you from here on out if you prayed that prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed I'm going to ask you to raise your hand just raise your hand this morning so I can pray for you I promise you I won't embarrass you I just want to pray for you Anyone on my left, your right. Anyone else this morning? God, we just thank you for the work that you're doing in our community, in our church. God, I thank you for those who said yes to you today. God, who will be in heaven because they made a decision to trust you. Because you sent your son to die for them. God, you resolved the whole sin problem. God, we thank you for that great place that you've prepared for us. 
And Father God, for those who are in here today who deal with major physical ailments, the, the stuff of their bodies that brings them down, Father God, I thank you for the hope that we can have that we one day, if we put our trust in you, will be in our glorified form. God, we thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power by which we can have these glorified bodies one day in our final destination. God, give us hope, hope that we won't suffer, hope that we won't have pain. God, thank you for what you did on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.